Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The only podcast that, much like Rick Astley, will never give you up, let you down, or desert you. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you two-eyed cyclops. How you been since we last spoke? I'm doing well, man. Doing a little better than Michigan's basketball team right now, unfortunately. But football's amping up. Spring game's inching closer by day. I'm feeling good. Absolutely, man. Yeah, and uh, rough, rough week for basketball when you touch on that. Um, well, the combine results, which we will get to in this podcast, largely positive. But before we get there, yeah, let's touch on the week that was Michigan basketball. 0-2 last week after we basically sung their praises for an entire podcast, the previous one. Uh, rough loss to Wisconsin. Hard to really explain that one. Poor, poor defensive effort. Um, and then another loss at Ohio State. Tough place to win. But really in that one, just uh, they were hot. I mean, when you shoot, what was it, 54%, 52% from three-point range? I mean, it's tough to top that. There's only so much you can do when a team is going to be that hot from beyond the arc. Analytics have taken over. Everybody knows the three game now. You've got to chuck them up there. And when you're hitting at that clip, just good luck. There's not much you can do. Yeah, they were hot and they caught fire in the second half. Their guard was just unstoppable. I watched uh, the the whole second half, and as soon as I tuned in, things really went to hell. Uh, but some positive takeaways from what I saw, uh, basically Franz Wagner. Uh, the, the defense the, over those that two-game stretch was atrocious, uh, just not challenging people from behind the arc. Johns Heskey's been playing some rough, rough basketball of late. It's almost time to switch to Austin Davis. The bright spot, Franz Wagner, uh, with his third big freshman of the week. So good for him. He looks like the best player right now with Livers also struggling. There's the Franz Wagner take I wanted from you. Yeah, man, he is rolling. You've been on him early. I mean, he had a lot of hype coming in, but then people kind of backed off a little bit as he struggled to find his place within the team and the offense and the system. But you've been on him from the jump, man. So good job by you. I mean, just watching the games, he just improving, you know, every week, week in and week out. And uh, what I like about him is he already brings, you know, some three point ability, not quite as tall as his brother, but a better defender than his brother. In fact, like a better defender than his brother was throughout his entire career already as a freshman uh, with the potential to, to even just grow even more than that. He's got a long wingspan. He gets into passing lanes. He disrupts. He challenges shots. I mean, he's, he's got that wide, wide wingspan. So uh, the only concern is that he might be playing too well and NBA scouts could come calling this year. And we kind of were hoping we get one more year with him. God, don't talk about that. Yeah, he's he's just getting better. Like you said, week by week improving. His effort on defense is just really, really noticeable. That's what defense primarily is from most basketball minds you hear at this level is like you, really, you put in that effort. You put in the effort, it's going to translate. And then the fact that he can utilize his athleticism and length, sneaky athletic, kind of just like Mo was, yeah. gets all over the place, gets active hands. So, yeah, I mean, he's a great two-way player, and we'll be lucky if he sticks around for both. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he could. He's probably a guy right now that could flirt with going. But, I mean, it'll be kind of like a situation with Iggy Brasdakis last year where it would be – late second round if he were to go now if at all so as of right now he should come back and be a part of that monster we're building for next year but uh with the big 10 tournament looming just not really how you wanted to kind of end the season um you got a couple more opportunities here to right the ship and you can still sneak into the tournament as a six seven seed because of those early victories that you had this season but i mean if you're gonna get hot and you're gonna get this thing back on track you can't you can't limp into the big 10 tournament no, the ebbing and flowing has to stop. It has to come to a constant one way or the other. Preferably, you know, winning. Yeah, winning, yeah, be nice. <laughs> Michigan has to avoid the dreaded 8-9 seed. They're going to get in the tournament, but they can't just lose their first game in the Big Ten tournament because you're leaving it up to chance at that point. As long as they win one, maybe two games, I feel really confident in getting a 6-7 seed. Yeah, you can't lose out the rest of the season and then just get eliminated first game of the Big Ten tournament. You're not a very attractive tournament prospect then. So, I mean, for a multitude of reasons, you got to turn it around now. You you got livers healthy. Everyone's healthy. Eli Brooks was able to play against Ohio State, had to wear the face mask, but everyone's healthy. Um, there's no reason that you guys shouldn't be able to turn it around here and get some wins going into the tournament. No, not at all. And this team knows what it takes to win. They've experienced it at the Battle for Atlantis. They know when it's coming on. 
We thought it was going to be on the rest of the season, but if you're going to have, you know, one last dip down, rather it happen now before the last two postseason tournaments. Absolutely. So still time to write the ship, but uh, anything else on basketball, brother? Nope. Big 10 tournaments coming. Then the chaos after that. Hopefully. Yeah. We could use some chaos with how it's going to look, but uh, let's move on, man. Uh, the other big news coming out of Michigan was the NFL combine where we were well represented with 11 players at the combine. Not everyone participated in every single drill, but for the most part, uh, I mean, I would have to say not even for the most part, when you've got like some records being set and got guys that are leading their position in certain categories, I would say it was a, a great combine for Michigan players all in all. Yeah, Michigan continues to have players shine at the combine that didn't produce as much as we wanted to while at Michigan. Donovan Peoples-Jones is the most recent example. You can go back to Rashawn Gary prior to him. I hope we can get more production out of these guys because they are freaks on the combine fields. Yeah, absolutely. And a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones, you can maybe write off the fact that he only had Gaddis his last year and, you know, he wasn't properly utilized at all times definitely wasn't targeted enough but at the same time he had a lot of drops but yep. let's get into his combine results though since you brought up donovan people's jones you got him lift, listed here first and i think that when you basically set the record i mean it's third best in combine history for a vertical at 44 and a half inches you deserve to be talked about that's insane numbers and just speaks to the explosiveness he's going to bring to the next level 139 inch broad jump Number one amongst receivers again, third best since 2006 for all wide receivers. Measured right about where we thought, six, just under 6'2", 212, arms and hands, whatever. Yeah, now yeah, who's keeping track of that? But. And he ran under a 4'5", 40. The 40 is not vital for receivers. It shows that he has explosion, though, and he does have that breakaway speed under 4'5". It couldn't have gone any better for DPJ. He was one of the biggest winners in the receiving category. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you touched on there, this shows his explosion. He's a jump ball guy. And at almost six, two with that vertical, I mean, that's a big, big catch radius. He's got the speed. So, you know, this is a guy that can get open. He can do something, you know, after the catch and also he can win some jump balls for you. So uh, teams are going to see this and it's only going to confirm what they saw on tape that he is a football player through and through. You know, it, they've known since he was in high school when he was the winner of that Nike Spark Academy thing as just basically athletic freaks that the dude was just that. And uh, this combine showed it. So great, great showing for him. I put him in the, the second to third round range. Yeah, I would put him even <clears throat> as much as late first as in like 27 to 32. Uh, per Next Gen stats, he and two others were the only ones that finished with a max 99 athleticism score. That is not something to be overlooked. And I have a question for you, sir. Of the yep. rumored meetings he had at the Combine, Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles, where does he fit in best? I could really see him working well with the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know who's going to be at quarterback um, for the Patriots next year. And then who was the, uh, the last option there? The, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles would make a lot of sense. They need receiver help. And he could get on the field early, both in Kansas City. And he's going to get on the field wherever. He's going to get a shot, uh, at least to return punts. Um, I'd like him in either Philly or Kansas City. I think those are great. And, I mean, look at what Kansas City's done with some guys that were kind of combine freaks and you weren't too sure about how it would translate to the NFL, guys like Tyreek Hill. Uh, so I, I think Kansas City would be awesome. What a great situation to go in. Andy Reid's your coach. Yeah, I think Kansas City's the answer here walking away. Sammy Watkins is th talking about stepping away from the game for a little bit. They may not bring his salary back anyway, so it automatically opens a spot for him. That speed and that offense, he's going to get action right away. Yeah, I love it. If he goes in the first round, I will mail you a case of whatever beer you want. Ooh, is, I, oh, I, like I got you. He's I not like that. Round. It would be the second Michigan receiver in the last five years that the Chiefs have drafted, too. Uh, didn't they take Chesson? Yep, they took J.U. Chesson. Yes, they did. Yeah, I remember that. But yeah, there's just this is a incredibly deep wide receiver draft, and he didn't even make the top ten on McShay and Kuyper's board of receivers. So there's just no way he goes in the first. I've got about. Eight I'm guys telling you, Dan, Danny Dimes went in the top ten last year. Anything is possible. That's because Dave Gettleman exists. Exactly, and he remains <laughs> existing. All right, so I, <laughs> I guess if he goes at four to the Giants because Gettleman exists. There you go. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, who do you want to talk on next here? Let's move on next to the bane of our existence most recently, Shea Patterson. 
All right, so uh, nothing really too surprising with those measurements. Uh, 6'1", 212. I mean, nothing you didn't know there, and that works. That's fine for the NFL nowadays with guys like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. Uh, vertical, not particularly explosive. No surprise there. Uh, 40-yard dash, 467 is kind of the number that stands out there, which shows you that he has some quickness, some athleticism. Once again, I mean, that shows up on tape. It's just all the other things that he can't do you know, the 40 yard dash doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things. That's a great 40. Can he hit the out route at 15 yards? He cannot. No. Will Shea Patterson be drafted? I don't think so. That would be surprising to me. I mean, if you're going to take a shot on him, see if he's undrafted. Like, I'd wait to see if he goes undrafted. I mean, I'd rather honestly take a, guy, a shot on a guy like Nate Stanley at Iowa or like a late round guy, you know, from a, a, somebody that just has more of a prototypical quarterback build that maybe just wasn't in the right circumstance he was given every opportunity to succeed at Michigan and, yeah. and didn't I mean with that wide receiver core that offensive line you had a lot of chances for success this year and you quite literally fumbled a lot of them away and I mean there were a lot of drops a lot of missed opportunities but he was responsible for his share of those miscues he had his ups and downs this season he definitely looked like a killer of games against Indiana but Michigan State Michigan State, he's done nothing to help his draft stock ever since the last impression being Ohio State and Alabama. It is interesting to note, though, that Michigan is, you know, one of the few non-playoff teams that arguably arguably played two of the top five teams the last two weeks of the season. No, that's true. I mean, if you look at our schedule and how everyone finished, it was second most, second hardest schedule in the nation, I think is what it was. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense going to Ohio State and then Alabama, who only lost to LSU by three points. Yeah, I mean, we played everybody except Clemson that you could, and Clemson and LSU that you could possibly face. You know, I mean, Wisconsin right at the peak of their powers, Ohio State, who was historically one of the best teams in history, Penn State, Notre Dame. I mean, it was a loaded schedule. So, but yeah, I mean, Shea Patterson, I hope he gets a shot. I have no ill will towards Shea Patterson. I'm just ready to move on from him as the quarterback of Michigan. Yeah, I think he gets signed as an undrafted free agent, picks up somewhere, but there's I wouldn't waste a draft pick on him. Nope, me neither. All right, moving on. Sean McEwen. <sighs> Sean McEwen, big boy, turns out. 6'5", 240. The decent bench press, 18 reps. Didn't do anything else because of a hamstring injury. Met with the Eagles. Uh, Zach Gentry was drafted. Will Sean McEwen be drafted? If Zach Gentry is drafted, Sean McEwen should be drafted. I mean unless you're just taking Gentry because he was gigantic. McEwen's a better, more well-rounded player. Maybe not the receiving threat, but a great blocking tight end and had the year where we called him Stonehand McEwen, but improved last year, took advantage of opportunities, didn't have nearly as many drops in 2019. Yeah, he should get a shot. Uh, I'm not sure that he will. I'll say probably either seventh round or undrafted, but he might get a shot as an undrafted guy. Yeah, he's going to go later than he should. He's an excellent run blocker. Could pick up somewhere with like the Vikings, maybe a team like that, signs him that likes to power the football. But yeah, he's a late guy, should get picked up. Like like we said, if Zach Gentry's getting drafted, all bets are off. He got drafted and Karan Higdon didn't because we apparently don't know anything. We don't. That's true. But, you know, neither do a lot of these other scouts and analysts and people that cover the draft. So why should they be so special? Why should they have all the fun? Yeah, we're not the only ones that grind tape with a Wii remote, Dave Gettleman. Grind tape with my Xbox remote all day. <laughs> Mike Onwenu is massive. 6'3", 344, uh, 10 and a half inch hands. Basically could consume me for lunch if he wanted to, like a Reuben. Uh, I think he gets drafted, though. This is a guy that I've always been a little higher on than the production necessarily stated. And a lot of that comes from what I hear from coaches. And they basically say that physically, if this guy wanted it, he could be one of the most dominant, dominant linemen you've ever seen. I mean, he moves so fast and so agile for 6'3", 344. And he said he's willing, he shed some weight for this, which means that 344 was his slim down weight, mind you. Um, but he said he's willing to shed more. He's willing to move to defensive tackle. I would take a shot on Mike Onwenu. If I'm drafting in the seventh round, sixth round, and I need a guard, this is absolutely worth swinging on. The athleticism is crazy for that size. Yeah, he only participated in the bench press, did 26 reps. I think Mike Onwenu easily gets drafted. I want to say somewhere between five, six, and seven. Like you said, he's. A good player to take a swing on, take a late flyer. He could play defensive tackle. 
He's a super athletic guard, though, for that size. Like you said, if he gets down to 320 and can maintain that power, he could work his way up in some organizations, man. Yeah, I listened to uh, Orlando Franklin. I'm out here in Denver. He was a former offensive lineman talking about how some guys just have the want to. And he was talking about Gabe Karimi from Wisconsin. He was our first round pick that was a physical, just mauler like Mike Onwenu, but like never had the want to. So like didn't stick in the NFL. Like if Onwenu decides he wants it, it's all there for him for the take. I just don't know he has that killer instinct to be all about football. I hope he does. All last offseason we heard that he was just grinding tape he was all about football texting coaches late at night he played well this season but it wasn't the dominant season we were expecting no no definitely not he was uh i wouldn't say a weak link on the offensive line but i mean just a little inconsistent uh our next guy though was pretty much a rock all year yeter gross matos who uh god we have been saying this if you listen to our podcast you know we've been harping on this about john runyon jr for months now but Yatur Gross Matos from Penn State came out and said that John Runyon Jr. was the best tackle he went against all year. That's just facts. We know this. We watched the game. <laughs> I'm just stating something that we already know and have stated vocally. And now all these other people are finally starting to say like, well, you know what this guy actually went up against? Uh, every defensive end we have mocked in the first round. Yeah, we know that. We saw it. We watched the tape too. We watched the games live. And he only further helped his case by testing out just outstandingly. His vertical almost matched Shea Patterson's, just missed it by half an inch. At 306. At 306. Had a good 40 right at five flat, 24 bench press. You can read into the shuttles what you want. But he looks quick. It'll just be can he transition from tackle to guard at the next level. Absolutely. And here's the thing. If you're a GM and you're sitting there in the fifth round, this guy played out of position. They moved him to tackle out of necessity, and he excelled, so they didn't move him back even when they had guys like Ryan Hayes right behind him and guys like Mayfield and Stuber. They're like, no, Runyon's sticking at left tackle. That shows you the kind of trust they had in this kid. And he was playing out of position. He's 6'4", 306. That is a guard. That is a very agile, nimble guard that can play in some zone schemes and do get out and, and get in front of some guys. I mean, if I'm sitting there in the fifth round and John Runyon Jr. is there, I'm not thinking he's a backup guard. I'm thinking I'm getting a starting guard in the fifth round. Yes, John Runyon is my prediction right now. We'll get into it later of just a riser. He may not be all over boards, but I think he could rise as high as the third round and somebody just steals him. Kind of like Chase Winovich uh, last year. Just kept falling and falling. And the Patriots are like, oh, you know what? We like this kid and just steal him out of nowhere. When we've been screaming, look at the production. Like you said, John Runyon played out of position, move him inside with a good offensive line. He's, I think he's going to excel at the NFL level. Yeah, third seems too high to me because didn't Winovich fall to the fifth, fourth or fifth last year? Oh, I'll tell you in just a second. I forget which one it was, but I, I don't think it will go as high as third. That seems too high because I don't think Bredesen gets up into third. I don't think Onwenu gets up into the third. Um, but I see fifth round being his ceiling, uh, more likely being sixth or seventh. If he goes undrafted, then GMs are just dumb. I'm Chase sorry. Winovich went third round. Oh, did he go third round? Yep. Well, early, we early, early third first. round. Yeah, we thought he might go first. So, yeah, I, I was off. So, yeah, so third round would be quite the surprise, but I, uh, he just needs to get drafted. I mean, if you're a GM and you don't see what we're seeing, I don't know how you watch football. He didn't lose, like, hardly any reps last year. No, came in, started the season late due to injury. Ryan Hayes filled in admirably, came in, and stoned some of the best pass rushers in the class. I don't know what more you need to see. You can move him inside, test him out. His pro day will be a big indicator, some more one-on-one -on -one meetings. But, man, it would not surprise me if he moves up to the third. I think he's that talented. Give, lock, lock me in on all – give me all the John Runyon stock. I love it. He's locking in on Runyon. If he goes in third, that's another case of beer for you. Oh, thank you, sir. All right. What are you offering up in all this, by the way? I guess I just kind of randomly started offering you get, you this. You got to give me some hot take or something. Throw, <laughs> me some heat, throw me some all heat right, like okay. I'm throwing. All right, all right, all right. I'll throw some heat. I'll throw. I mean, I thought I did, man. We're all for Runyon talking about he's. I think. All right, here's some heat. John Runyon will be a Pro Bowl guard at some point in his career in the NFL. I He'll support. I support this wholly. There, there it is. That's my take. All right, Caesar Ruiz. <laughs> Caesar Ruiz is either one A or one B in centers in this class. He's a pure center. He's athletic. He weighs just a little bit 
more than Runyon by a pound, an inch shorter. It's a perfect size for a center. He has a higher vertical than Shea Patterson. <laughs> Ran the same 40 as Runyon. He's super athletic, super quick. Met with half of the NFL. Rams, Titans, Patriots, Packers, Panthers, Giants, Broncos. He's going to be first, second round. If Caesar falls out of the second round, I will be floored. Zero percent chance that happens. Yeah. I'll send you another case of beer. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I'm doing nothing. I'm offering nothing and just getting offered beer. Uh, yes, man, I saw this. Uh, do you remember back in the day, Caesar Ruiz? I think it was Jedrick Wills, Mackay Becton were all part of the same recruiting class, and they were all going to form the wall at Michigan, and then it just kind of fell apart. Jedrick Wills ended up going to Bama. But Ruiz was the one that stuck with Michigan. And, uh, I mean, it looks like all three of those guys are going in the first round. Just crazy to think what could have been. But he's 1A to me as far as centers. Uh, 1B is Tyler Biotis out of uh, Wisconsin, who's very good but doesn't have the athleticism that Cesar Ruiz has. And Ruiz got better. Like, as the year went around, like, you started to see him more and more. He played well against Ohio State and Alabama up against the best competition. I mean, you can go up against in college football and excelled uh you saw the athleticism he can jump higher than shea patterson it's 40 yard dash five seconds that's great at 307 pounds are you kidding me if that hit you you would die so (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's hard for me to say and we'll do our mock draft and he'll show up in it at some point but uh i would say early for early second round is probably his floor yeah, I 100% agree. It seems all indicators are pointing to first round. He said if he drops below pick 40, that's just that would be shocking in and of itself. Now, Ruiz is going to be a starter in the NFL soon. Next year, I mean, you you draft him that earlier, you expect him to come in and be your starting center next year. He'll be starting center somewhere in the NFL next year. Can't wait to see where it's at. Love to see him in Arizona next to uh, Mason Cole. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be fun. I like to see Mason Cole. The Cardinals are kind of, you know, on the rise a little bit. So I like to see yeah. that. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right. Ben Bredesen. Ooh, to the left of Cesar Ruiz last season and in between he and Runyon. Bredesen measured at 6'5", 315. More of your NFL-sized guard there. Prototypical. Didn't participate in anything due to a hamstring issue. Seems to be going around. All his measurables were good. 31 and 1 eighth inch arms. You really concerned about that 1 eighth, Jared? <laughs> yeah, you don't draft this guy. 31 and 1 eighth is unacceptable. However, 31 and 3 quarters? Well, we can talk. Now that you draft that guy. <laughs> Had a rumor meeting with the Kansas City Chiefs. Bredesen's going to fall somewhere in the middle rounds of this draft. I think he's a plug-and-play kind of guy. Floor should be fifth round. I mean, if you saw what I saw, you saw a guy that doesn't have elite athleticism like Ruiz. Do you think Bredesen or Runyon is the more athletic player? Dude, I'm telling you right now, give me all the John Runyon stuff. You misheard I me. I didn't want a lot of John Runyon stuff. Give Did me all the John Runyon stock. Did I stutter? Fair enough. Yeah, I, I think Runyon might be a shade more athletic than Ben Bredesen. Ben Bredesen has just been solid since the jump. You know what you're getting out of him. Will he be an all pro? I'm not sure, but he's a starting caliber guard in the NFL and his ceiling is much higher. Like, I mean, he's not going to get more athletic overnight, but he could get just a little bit more technically sound. He's plenty strong. So ceiling is is an all pro type of guard. Um, But I see him just being like a a starter, like a five to seven year starter in the NFL. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. It seems cliche to say plug and play at this point, but that's what Bredesen was at Michigan. And the way he always seems to rise the occasion, no matter what locker room he's in, I expect him to do it at the next level too. Absolutely. Yeah. Really excited about him. All right. Who we got next? Kalik Hudson. Now we're getting to the interesting players. Kalik Hudson really did himself some favors here at the Combine. And other than Runyon and DPJ, maybe did more to help his stock here. Came in at 5'11", 224. And just to to compare, 5'11", 224 is stacked. Okay, because I'm 5'10", and I weigh 170. And like, I feel like I'm fit-ish. This dude is 224. He's got 55 pounds on me and like a half an inch. And he did 30 reps at the bench. Number one amongst linebackers. And he is not the biggest linebacker. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) Who was 5'11 and only 10 pounds heavier than him last year? Do you remember? 5'11 and 10 pounds heavier. DK Metcalf. Devin Devin Bush. Oh, Devin Bush. Yeah, yeah, of course. I should have been thinking Michigan guys. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, so the the measurables are insane for this dude. He's he and like it shows up on tape that he is a a solid player. He's around the football a lot. It's just hard to put your finger on Kalik Hudson because where do you play him? It's it seems like he's moving in to that linebacker position, but in the NFL, the linebacker safety hybrid is popular, which fits him because that's what he did in college. He's going to be overshadowed by the freak that is Isaiah Simmons because we all fall in his shadow. But Kalik Hudson's a versatile piece that can just be mixed and matched on a good defense with some creative schemes. I think he's a good player in the NFL. I don't know if he. I don't think he starts right away. Kind of works his way into it. I see him being a middle round draft pick. Yeah, that, I, I could see that as well. What is his ceiling though? Because I mean, obviously Isaiah Simmons is the prototype for what these NFL teams are looking for, and Kalik Hudson has that same kind of frame. Like you, you see some similarities, but like, what what is he missing? Is it the coverage skills? Is it the I mean, the size, obviously, of Simmons stands out, the speed and size ability to beat blockers one-on-one. But, like, what is it about Hudson that kind of keeps him from being in that next elite tier? I would say coverage right now. His, he didn't do the three-cone drill here. People probably want to see how quick his hips are, which he'll probably do at Michigan's Pro Day. He yeah. did have a rumored meeting with the Pittsburgh Steelers, so if you're putting he and Devin Bush on the same defense, I hate, that, I hate that I'm going to have to buy so many Steelers jerseys. Uh, yeah, we're going to Steelers games. I'm rooting for the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. I'll forget about the Detroit Lions. If he and Devin Bush are starting on the same defense again, good night. It's over. Yeah, but he fits in perfectly with what they want to do, What how TJ Watt became this unstoppable force on the outside. You put him as like an outside 3-4 linebacker, mix him around in there. My goodness. I mean, he did a number for himself. 30 reps on the bench press is incredible. I mean, that doesn't surprise me, though. Look at the dude. Remember when he, I mean, we've been doing this podcast long long enough. We now remember uh, when he was recruited, which is crazy because he was a freshman when we started this thing. And we we're like, look at these pictures of this man. He's 18. <laughs> His arms are terrifying. That's what I'm saying. The dude looks like he could rip apart a desk, like with its teeth, if he wanted. Like he's absolutely vicious. He gets into the backfield like he has a nose for the ball. But yeah, coverage doesn't get his head around, can't really stick uh, with slot receivers that well. And as great as he was as a sophomore, you never really saw that again. He was our leading tackler last year, but like you saw his impact on special teams. So I think someone will take him, and I think that you will absolutely will see Khalid Cousins' name in the NFL for a couple years. He's going to get on special teams. He's going to be on a team where he can play situationally. I just don't see him being like a Devin Bush, you know, all pro kind of player in the NFL. No, not many of us can be Devin Bush, unfortunately. No one can be Devin Bush. Devin Bush can barely be Devin Bush. (laughs) Now let's move on to Josh Uche, your boy. Read you two things. That's all that really matters. He didn't perform at the Combine. He did get measured. But projected first rounder Jedrick Willis, Will, sorry, from Alabama, said Uche was the toughest player he faced all season. Yeah, it's time to start the hype train here. And uh, we kind of started at the end of last season when he came on and got a seven and a half sacks. And he basically repeated the exact same thing this year. Came on late in the year, um, you know, got his sack total up to about the exact same uh, in twenty in 2019 as it was in 2018 and went against top talent, top talent throughout the year and looked like our best pass rusher. And I think he maybe upon review is, is the fastest, is the biggest riser amongst these guys. You want my hottest take? Hit me. Josh Uche is the best. It will be the best pro out of this Michigan class. I love it. I love it. I think he's going to be better than Rashawn Gary as a pro. You and I both kind of were like, meh about Rashawn Gary last year, both in our mock NFL draft where he fell to 27 or something like that in our mock NFL draft. Um, I'm higher on Uche than I am on Rashawn Gary, and I've watched a lot of Uche tape. I'm super high on this kid. His bend, his athleticism, and his strength, those are all, you can't coach those things. And he's well coached with Don Brown. Say what you will about Don Brown, but he's well coached on top of that, and he's versatile. Watch him cover KJ Hamler down the field. He is he's the close he's closer to what they want i say isaiah simmons to be than Khalid hudson is by a long shot he can play in coverage he can drop back as a linebacker you can teach him to cover 
This dude can stick with slot receivers. I'll bet he tests in the four or five when they do him at the pro day. This dude's, oh, yeah. a, this dude's a stud. I'm telling you right now, this dude, if he drops below the second round, you're getting a steal. I want the Lions to get him in the second round as a pass rusher. Didn't he like chase down? Who did he chase down? Was it KJ Hamler? It was KJ Hamler. I, I get him and KJ Hill mixed up. Who's the Penn State one? Hamler. So he stuck with Hamler in coverage, um, but then he also chased down. Wasn't it Barkley? Oh, that was Bush. I'm thinking Bush chasing down Barkley last year. Yes, yeah, come on. Yeah, but I think, yeah, you might be right. It might have been KJ Hill or KJ Hamler. I know the play you're talking about. Yeah, that was like he was just in coverage and had his hands up. Like, what is happening? How are you keeping up? And obviously NFL teams are on the same page we're on because he was rumored to meet with the Steelers, Ravens, Bills, Panthers, Raiders, Packers, Buccaneers, and Patriots. Lots of Michigan players sprinkling it on these teams, so get your jersey money ready. Yeah, I'm ready. And uh, you want a hot take. You were giving some hot takes about some other guys going high. Uh, This guy will not fall past the second round. I mean, I think he's a better pass rusher than Curtis Weaver from Boise State, um, and he also fits the modern NFL I mean, he's better at staying with KJ Hamler than Josh, or excuse me, than Metellus, who played safety. I mean, that's a fact for 2019. You're not wrong. Fact: Uche was better in coverage than our safety. So, yeah, take the guy and play him wherever. Uh, Moving on. Speaking of Josh Metellus, he was also at the combine. Um, Metellus measured in at 5'11", 209, had a 4540, respectable for a safety. 36 and a half inch vert, 124 inch broad jump, decent bench press. Didn't light the world on fire, but tested right where he needed to. Didn't lower his stock at the combine. These combine results are perfectly indicative of Josh Metellus as like a player at Michigan. Like not going to blow you away, but solid and steady uh, with some things that you're like, oh, wow, that's pretty good. Um, The fact of the matter is the tape will tell the tale with Josh Metellus. And as you go back, um, just doesn't doesn't show up in big games. I mean, and coverage skills questionable. Um, he, I mean, he's he's smart. He's a smart player. He's where he needs to be, but he's undrafted or sixth seventh round to me. You might take a shot on him in the seventh round, but I don't know. But you got to really cherry pick his tape to find great moments. Yeah, Michigan safeties have this weird way of sticking in the NFL. So I'm with you. I think he's sixth or seventh. Get picked up somewhere in there and. I don't know, maybe ties it all together. I didn't think DeMonte Thomas would stick like he did or Jared Wilson would, but Michigan safeties find a way. Yep, I agree. And yeah, that's something that I've always kind of said. And I say Metellus is better than those guys. And I I would stick to that, wouldn't you? I mean, Metellus over Jared Wilson and DeMonte Thomas in college. Yeah, I mean, Josh Metellus got singled out because he had some really bad screw-ups that looked mental. We don't know the scheme. It may not have just been him. He could have just been the guy that got hung out to dry. But his junior year against K.J. Hamler, he shut him down and mostly man-to-man coverage the line of scrimmage and has had brilliant moments on the field. So if you can decipher what's his fault, what's not his fault, maybe the tape's actually really good. So that could be what happens for Michigan safeties. And if he sticks, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing to me. Yeah, that's a good point is I'm not a coach or an analyst. I would need to go back and look like, oh, was he put in the wrong position here? And and maybe some of that is that. Although I know he's had some some rough games. Ohio yeah. State two years ago stands out. Everybody had a rough game, though. <laughs> yeah, for two, two straight years. All right, Lavert Hill, uh, another guy who – didn't necessarily hurt or help himself here. He didn't really participate in anything other than the bench. Came in at 5'10". That'll work as a corner. Uh, you really want to see 5'11", 6' foot in the, in the modern NFL. Uh, does he get drafted? This is crazy that we're having this discussion because in mock drafts a year ago, two years ago, it's like Lavert Hill could play his way into the top 10 at corner. And you and I were like, really? This guy? Yeah. Um, so... It's it's kind of sad to see him fall this fall. I think he definitely gets drafted. I think it's late, though. I think it's sixth round as early as fifth if he's lucky. We'll see how he does if he participates at the pro day with his three-cone drill and his 40-yard dash. Because 40 is very important for corners because you have to be able to fly, especially with modern NFL receivers and you don't know what they're running. So that's going to be huge for him. If he can perform well there, he gets drafted. If he performs poorly he gets signed as a free agent. 
the thing about Lavert Hill, and yeah, you you touched on it perfectly. Last year, it looked like, man, if he progresses that next step, this is going to be an elite cover guy. And he was good this year. If you look at his percentage in coverage, not many balls were completed against him. But I can think of two right off the top of my head and maybe a third, if I'm getting it right, where he just dropped an interception, a big interception, dropped it, had it right there in his hand and absolutely dropped it. And I know those are small things, but those are game changing plays. And that's what people want from a corner. Like if you can stick there, but then when it comes time to actually get up and make make a play on the ball. You're just there. You're not actually interrupting the pass. I don't know. It's going to be hard for me to talk myself into Levert Hill when I've seen so many opportunities that have been missed. Yeah. Those are the moments where you can really swing draft boards and the perception about you. If you're creating turnovers, that's always going to stand out. And the fact that he didn't and miss so many easy opportunities to do such things and change games and flip momentum Drops are just a curse of everybody last year on the Michigan team. Receivers, quarterbacks, running back, quarterbacks. Everybody was dropping everything, and I don't know why. Laverne Hill had a chance to improve his stock, especially with David Long gone. He was the standout corner, the guy stepping up, and his season did nothing except make his draft stock plummet. Yeah, which is unfortunate. He should have gone last year. Uh, that had been rough for us. We needed him this year, and he was a great player for us. So I'm glad he stuck around, but it didn't really help his stock, so. Another thing that hurts him is how often he gets called for pass interference or holding. Jeffrey Okuda at the Pro Day, who's going to be a top 10, top 5 pick, had no flags against him last year for holding or PI. And Levert Hill easily had the most on the team. Yeah, no, he was a stud. Okuda gamed Nico Collins. I mean, he was getting there early, but that's the game. That's gamesmanship, man. Yeah, that's if you're going to body him up, you body him up. But Okuda set the prototype for what it's like to be a shutdown corner. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, uh, one last note. Does Mike Dana get drafted? The only notable snub from the Michigan team. Mike Dana, that's interesting. He's in Sean McCune territory for me. Yeah. He's, okay. uh, he's late. He's going to be late. He was kind of disappointing for the hype. I thought he was going to be much better. I was, he came in and performed fine, but if I were an NFL GM, Mike Dana did nothing to convince me that he's going to be a good pro. No, I would have to agree. Solid at Michigan, but I mean, so was guys like Craig Rowe and stuff, you know, they're not, they're not standing out. They're not getting drafted. No. So it's no, no, he, he, he'll get signed somewhere and be fine on a practice squad. Maybe find a way to be a rotational player. Maybe, but no, I'd be shocked if Mike Dana gets drafted. Yeah, same here. Well, that won't do it for our uh, draft coverage in total. We will definitely come back to this. We've got our mock draft. we got the spring di- spring game mock draft. You know that I love drafts. If there were a draft to go to Iran, I would join it just to be a part of a draft. <laughs> so uh, we, we will get back into this, and we'll definitely talk. We'll do some player comparisons and stuff. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, since it's the offseason and we have license to get a little weird, Uh, We're going to talk about our cool guys of cinema. This is kind of an idea that we were bouncing around um, in our in our pre-show ramblings, as we often do. Uh, The cool guys of cinema, because, uh, I mean, Brad Pitt got an Academy Award this year. I just started getting into Steve McQueen, who doesn't like a guy that just commands the screen, even as a a straight male, which we both are allegedly. Uh, (laughs) you know who doesn't like watching George Clooney you know or Brad Pitt just like kill an absolutely cool role it's the best man we got into it off topic like we always do just fall into a tangent and we're like let's record this and here we are who was the coolest guy on Michigan this year is it Dylan McCaffrey even though he hasn't played a snap or a meaningful snap the coolest guy on Michigan I'm working my way through the roster we'll get back to it after the break I got you. Dwell on it. All right, we'll be back right after this. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. Tonight, we are talking cool guys of cinema. It is off-season, so we like to get back into some of the entertainment stuff. We understand if that's not your bag, but it is our bag, baby. As we, uh, you know, we like a little Michigan, we like a little entertainment, and we like to mesh the two. So, cool guys of cinema before the break, I asked you, who is the coolest guy on the Michigan roster? Do you have an answer? It's hands down, runaway, Donovan Peoples-Jones. 
Yeah, it is. If you are on Instagram, follow DPJ on Instagram. It's a tremendous follow. The swag of that man is next level. It's off the charts. It's it's the limit does not exist. His his birthday video, all the stuff, the little look back he did when he was getting on the bus in uh, one of the Ty Rogers videos. Donovan Peoples Jones is easily the Paul Bunyan post. Just walking away. That's it. I was going to say, if you want his defining moment of coolness on the field, it's the Paul Bunyan pose, which is like right up there. It's just below Heisman pose from Des Howard as like iconic Michigan moments. Now, how does coolness factor into level of play? Because I feel like some people could be really cool off the field, but just maybe not translate on the field. Yeah, some people are just smooth when when they play. Like Ronnie Bell, very smooth route runner, very smooth after the catch. But is he the coolest guy? I have no idea what Ronnie Bell is like. I assume Giles Jackson is cool with the way he plays. Yeah, his name is Giles. That is that is smooth in and of itself. It sure is. Yeah, that, so, I mean, but if that's the case, Sammy Faustin has to be cool. I'm assuming he's a lounge singer in New Orleans. That's fair. And I really don't have the intel on backup quarterback Andy Maddox last year. <laughs> I mean, and also there is the opposite end of that, that you can have a name that just really doesn't sound that cool. Like Luigi Villain, while it definitely is like neat sounding, like I'm guessing he's either a plumber or a villain. <laughs> or you can just sound like a jerk and be Tariq Black. <laughs> yeah. Tariq Black? Oh, no. He sounds like a bully. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, no, I just don't want to hang out with that guy. But it's yeah. like, if I make fun of like Caesar Ruiz, he's just going to make me be his friend. I mean, what's cooler than that? Bullying people in the friendship. <laughs> Caesar Ruiz seems like the most likable individual, though. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Like, he just seems so nice and thoughtful. Yeah. At night when I go to bed, I imagine that I'm resting on him. And I, I- <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. He just seems really nice. <laughs> this took a turn. <laughs> this took a turn. <laughs> All right, let the, let's shift it again. So tonight we're talking cool guys of cinema, getting back into our entertainment segments and the off season. And uh, this was something we were kind of talking about offline about just who are the coolest dudes you've ever seen portrayed on screen. And there's a lot of them. Like you see a, you see a performance like Steve McQueen or James Bond or somebody. And you're like, man, that is cool. I want to be that person. So it's almost that. So very much a, a dude centric podcast from here on out. If there possibly were any women listening at this point, it's probably your time, but cool guys of cinema, my friend, break it, break this down for me. All right. So we have three tiers here. Tier one is just the consummate, unassailable, ultimate cool guy. And there's not really defined parameters. We could do it by movie. But if you're acting in more of a volume, you're going to have an unfair advantage. So it's really subjective. We're just going to run through a couple people in each tier, discuss the ones we want to move up, move down, might have a problem with. You put this list together. Excellent work by you as always. And let's get this underway. I'll run us through tier three. Yeah, yeah. Let's start tier three. Start bottom for sure and move our way up. All right, here we go. So tier three candidates, Johnny Depp, Denzel Washington. This is solely based on film, by the way. So we'll we'll get into that. John Travolta, George Clooney, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jamie Foxx, Bruce Willis, Keanu Reeves, Idris Elba, Chris Pine, Kevin Costner. Where would you like to start? So with tier three, you're talking about guys that have been in cool roles, but also have balanced it out with some other stuff. I mean, some of these guys you've seen play the cool guy for sure, like uh, uh, Keanu Reeves, but then also he plays Bill and Ted. You know, he, he's Bill or T- I forget which one he is in Bill and Ted. He's the better one. <laughs> Are Bill and Ted cool? That's the thing. Like, and how do you define cool? But he's definitely not playing that kind of cool that you see in John Wick, in Point Break, in The Matrix, you know, in that kind of like nonchalant badassery that you see. So like Keanu Reeves, I think, fits well for a tier three, but could be a guy that you might want to move up because of the movies that I just said. I like that. That's that's definitely a candidate to move up. I think we should pick one or two of each of these categories to either move up or down. To mix it up okay. a little bit. So another nomination would be probably Leo. You and I are the two biggest Leo fans on the planet. So if we both put him in tier three, he's probably not a move up candidate. What's his coolest role? Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street is his coolest role. And even that, he's losing his mind half the time. I mean, he takes all the uh, 
<laughs> the ludes and loses his shit. So. Ends the movie with beating his wife, which is not cool. Not cool. Very decidedly not cool. George Clooney's got some cool roles, though. Uh, you got the Oceans trilogy from Dust Till Dawn, Out of Sight, Intolerable Cruelty. Cool in all of them. Also owns a tequila company. Adds to the coolness. That does. And I would like to nominate Kevin Costner for Bull Durham, Open Range, JFK, Tin Cup for Love of the Game, Draft Day, he's a cool GM, and The Untouchables. That's a pretty solid list for Kevin Costner. Not a traditional level of cool, though. Like, he, rarely is he that kind of like, man, you look at him and he's just brooding and exudes that. Um, whereas Jamie Foxx, I would argue, probably has more of that in Django, where every line he delivers is just like, that's the coolest thing anyone's ever said. I mean, and then you play Ray Charles. I mean, that very cool. Like, I mean, everything he says. Miami Vice, terrible movie. Very cool in that. So Is Ray Fox, Charles cool? <laughs> yeah, Ray Charles is cool. <laughs> Kidding me? Sunglasses inside. Yeah, he's blind, but it looks dope. That's fair. fair point. <laughs> yeah. What about John Travolta? Grease, Pulp Fiction? It's only two roles, but two iconic cool roles. This is when it gets tough because on Kevin Costner alone, I could say Bull Durham, and it's like Crash Davis is the epitome of cool, but counter, so is Danny Zuko in Greece. It's tough to say, man, but I'm fine with that. So moving up a tier, we're going to go with ooh, Denzel Washington. Nah, no, no, no. He's got too many. No, 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 no. Very cool, but not not enough of the cool roles when compared against roles where he's just doing Denzel things. First team all people, though. First team all humans. Yeah, yeah. So we're moving up George Clooney, Kevin Costner, and Keanu Reeves. And I would say I'd move up Jamie Foxx, too, personally. Uh, let's keep Foxx down, but I agree with the three you named. Always trying to keep the black man down, Andy. <laughs> Sorry, you know, just not Ray Charles fan, I guess. Ray Charles is cool as hell. Fine. <laughs> All right. Tier two cool, cool guys. I'll run us through this one. Tier two. If you're a tier two cool guy, you're a leading man. You're a guy that you can cast in anything. and You're like, yeah, this dude's going to carry the movie. So uh, on tier two, we've got Kurt Russell, whose movies include uh, Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York, The Thing, Hateful Eight, Tombstone, big one. Tom Hardy, Rock and Rolla, Inception, Warrior, Dunkirk, Mad Max, Val Kilmer, Willow, Top Gun, The Saint, Tombstone, Heart, Paul he, Newman. Heat, not heart. What's that? Heat, not heart. I said heart? Yeah. Why would I say that when Heat's obviously one of my favorite movies? Disregard. <laughs> Paul Newman. I mean, we don't even need to get into his. Will Smith, Patrick Swayze, Robert Downey Jr., Burt Reynolds, Clint Eastwood. Al Pacino, Pierce Brosnan, and Matthew McConaughey. This, I mean, this is a tough, tough list. Every one of those guys you almost feel could be a tier one guy. We're, this is the nitty gritty, man. This is hard to separate a lot of opinion here. My first nominee to move up, I think it's kind of a runaway when we break it down, and that's Kurt Russell. Just big trouble, escape from New York. He plays a character named Snake. Hateful Eight, Tombstone, even he's cooling overboard. Kurt Russell makes rom-coms cool. What more do we need? I agree. Uh, he would be my choice as well. I mean, we did a whole podcast on him. But we do a whole podcast on his hair. Yeah, <laughs> that's next week. Yeah, that, that, that rug is immaculate. Like, I just want to lay that all over my house. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, so I won't necessarily get into my next pick, but let's talk about Tom Hardy and Val Kilmer, who I think that Tom Hardy at this point in his career is very comparable to Val Kilmer. Because if you look at Val Kilmer's run of Willow, Top Gun, The Saint, Tombstone, Heat, very, very cool roles. I mean, wasn't always the lead, but was right up there in big movies. And then you look at Tom Hardy and Rock and Rolla, Inception, Warrior, Dunkirk, Mad Max, starting to stack those cool roles together. So while both of these guys, I think, are very close, I think they're your top tier two guys, Tom Hardy and Val Kilmer. And I'll say the same for Paul Newman, who, ooh, I don't know, Paul Newman might need to move up a notch. Yeah, Paul Newman needs to go to one. Just when you read the words cool hand Luke, that's cool just, Luke. yeah, that's, that's tier one material. Everything you said about Hardy and Kilmer, I'm in complete agreement. You nailed Hardy. I know he's your boy, and he's tier one in your heart, but tier two on this list, because if he just played roles where he was just the cool guy like he is Eames in Inception, he's tier one. He has that potential. But based on what he's done, he's a very, very solid tier two. 
Absolutely. We should also be giving that for each guy too. their coolest role. So to go to backtrack a little bit, Kurt Russell's coolest role. I'm going to say either snake Plissken or tombstone. Give me tombstone just for my own personal bias. Yep. And then uh, of the guys of the last list, going back to tier three, Kevin Costner, Bull Durham agreed. Yeah. Walk away. Uh, Keanu Reeves matrix. Oh man, that's tough. That gets tougher. Matrix or John Wick. They're both, we get a new one in 2020, new one of each. So we'll compare them then. Yeah. We, well, the jury's out on uh, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then Clooney, Ocean's Trilogy. Easy. Has to be Ocean's. Danny Ocean is, oh my God. That's a lot of coolness in that movie. That is a lot of coolness. So Paul Newman, coolest role. It has cool in the title. It's Cool Hand Luke. It has to be. Butch Cassidy's really close for me because it's a personal favorite, but Cool Hand Luke, yeah. Come on. Yep, absolutely. All right, moving down that list, who else you want to move up a tier? Burt Reynolds. Are we going to talk about Burt Reynolds at all? Yeah, so you skip over Will Smith. I agree with that. Started out real hot, but has since kind of calmed down uh, on the cool roles. Patrick Swayze, uh, I think, fits right right in the middle of tier two. I don't think you take him up or down. Robert Downey Jr., just for Iron Man, really. That's why he's on this list, is his Tony Stark. Burt Reynolds would make sense because look at that. You got Longest Yard, Smokey and the Bandit, Cannonball Run. I mean, semi-tough. Wasn't he in uh, The Longest Yard? Oh, yeah, we already said The Longest Yard. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a pretty good list right there. And Cannonball Run and Longest Yard and Smokey and the Bandit are classic. Smokey and the Bandit is literally just about he and Sally Field driving around, and there's a truck behind him. That's it. And it's phenomenal. I love it. I watch it all the time. Burt Reynolds just... Even when he's in that horrible Dukes of Hazard remake in the early aughts, he's just cool as Boss Hog. Like, you kind of want him to win. You're like, you're just kind of bringing it in this white suit, Bert. That's all he needs is his mustache and whatever he's wearing. Or nothing. He doesn't necessarily have to wear anything. We've seen that, too. No, brings a lot to the table. What's Burt Reynolds' coolest role, in your opinion? Uh, Smokey and the Banner Cannonball Run. Yeah, I'm, I'm Smokey all the way, but Cannonball Run is just, a nut- oh, man. That is, God, R.I.P. Burt Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're, uh, all right, so the next uh, next option, Clint Eastwood, who probably is a move up to Tier 1, I would guess. Yeah, Clint Eastwood gets a bad rap nowadays because he doesn't really do good film. And, you know, he's one-take Clint, so he's just one-take, nine-to-five director and gets you out of there. Doesn't seem super cool now, but his run, just the Dirty Harry trilogy, the Dollars trilogy, Every Which Way But Loose and its sequel, Kelly's Heroes, I mean, it's like nine movies right there. Clint Eastwood was super cool growing up, but as most of us do, it gets a little lame when you get old. And he is most certainly old. I'm pretty sure he doesn't know where he's at right now. But Clint, if you're listening, tier one cool guy. (laughs) The last three candidates, Al Pacino, Godfather, Serpico Heat, Pierce Brosnan, Bond, Thomas Crown Affair and Before the Sunset, and Matthew McConaughey. I mean, take your pick. Gentleman, True Detective, Days and Confused, Lincoln Lawyer, Wolf of Wall Street. I vote Matthew McConaughey, but the the asterisk here is that I'm counting True Detective, which is not a film. I want to argue with you so bad, but you keep saying right things. Like, stop being correct with what you're saying. Yeah, it's 100%. It's McConaughey. Yeah, Daisy Confused alone, when he walks into the hurricane by Bob Dylan at that little bar, that's it's over. It's over. Yeah. He is super cool, iconic, and I think he's on screen. It seems like two minutes in that movie. I know it's more... But no, McConaughey is the definition of cool. He was on screen for like eight minutes in Dazed and Confused and established two catchphrases that people use to this day. All right, all right, all right. And you just got to keep L-I-V-I-N. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, and he had even more than that. So yeah, McConaughey is quickly becoming a tier one cool guy. I just saw The Gentleman the other day. Cool as hell in that movie. And he's in it for no other reason than the fact that he's cool. Yeah, he's American in a movie about London gangsters. It makes no sense. (laughs) And now, my friend, we move into the cream of the crop, the tier one cool guys, leaving out the ones we already named. The ones we listed here can only go down. So we'll see if we have any arguments. We have Sean Connery, Steve McQueen, Harrison Ford, Brad Pitt, and James Dean. If I had to nominate the weak link, it would only be James Dean because of the so few. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're talking one or two roles with James Dean. I haven't even seen his roles because, I mean, you're talking 50s, not 60s. Like he's, It's been a while since James Dean's been around. Um, but just you think of cool, you think of James Dean. So if I had to move one down, it would be Dean as well. His coolest role is Rebel Without a Cause. Um, Brad Pitt, I mean, I, I think that he, especially with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, has earned his role as cool guy. Uh, what's his coolest role? That's a really hard question. I'm, man, it might be once upon a time in Hollywood. Just, I don't know if he's a murdering psychopath or not, but when he takes the shirt off at over 50 and just beats up three Manson followers with a dog, that's, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> three Manson followers. Put that on your resume. Not everyone has that. All right. Harrison Ford. I'm not taking him down a notch at all. There's no way. His coolest role. Uh, it's Han Solo, right? As much as I love Indiana Jones, Han Solo is the coolest guy on this list. He is Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Blade Runner, The Fugitive, Patriot Games. Um, yeah, it's Han Solo. Yeah, he's, he's Jack Ryan, but yeah, Han Solo is the coolest. Definition of cool. Yep, absolutely. This next one was what spawned the whole thing. Steve McQueen, one of my all-time favorite actors as of the last four months when I discovered him. Um <laughs> So I'm just now working my way through the Steve McQueen filmography. Haven't even seen Bullet yet, but uh, this is kind of what started the cool guy role of the 50s and 60s. There were some other guys before him. We mentioned James Dean, Marlon Brando should be somewhere on this list um, as well. But McQueen, everything he does, every word he says, you're just like, well, that's the coolest thing ever. I'll do anything that you tell me to. And uh, Great Escape, Thomas Crown Affair, Bullet, Magnificent Seven owned the 60s his coolest role to me is bullet even though i haven't seen it yet that's that's clearly the iconic steve mcqueen one but uh hilts in great escape the role that uh, leonardo DiCaprio didn't quite get in once upon a time in hollywood pretty badass yeah steve mcqueen perfect name for the perfect guy he's the definition of cool and yes you're right he is the reason we spawned this list and i thought about nominating people like frank sinatra and things like that because frank did act but He's, it's too hard to separate the music career from the acting career and the coolness would overlap. But Steve McQueen is just dripping in every role. And for me, it's a great escape. Just he makes this tough nose role just brings a presence to the screen that's almost indescribable until you watch it. Yep. And props to Leo and Quentin Tarantino in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for reintroducing me to this and making me go back and watch Great Escape. Because I mean, just some cool cool dudes in that movie uh james garner as well maverick oh badass Ooh, james garner is a cool guy that's cool. james garner is cool yeah i mean there's some guys we left out marlon brando should be on this list somewhere but whatever you know <laughs> we're not perfect <laughs> and last and maybe the coolest of them all that's why he's in tier one is sean connery he's the star of the original james bonds i mean arguably the best bond the rock highlander the untouchables a rare person that remained cool throughout his career and probably why he's our magnum opus here sean connery yeah that's what you strive for is sean connery as bond and uh, I remember an old meme. It's not even that old. An old meme from back in the day. Dust, dust off this meme where it was like, what happened to men? And in the, the picture of what it showed, it was Sean Connery as Bond and Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. That's what you strive to be as a man is one of those. That's absolutely correct. There's everything about him is cool. And if you're not saying this in like some toxic, stupid masculinity way, it's just like, this is cool. This is what we all want to be in life. This is who we pretend to be when we're drinking. And that's what they are effortlessly. If wanting to be cool is toxic masculinity, if liking James Bond because he's just a badass is toxic masculinity, then, you know, I guess that's me. I'm toxic. I'm the damn toxic Avenger. <laughs> and man, we're going to have those omissions. You mentioned James Garner, Daniel Craig, like there's going to be some more to talk about. Yeah, like how can we have Sean Connery and Pierce Brosnan but not Daniel Craig? Yeah, Craig's definitely cooler than Pierce Brosnan, but but to Pierce Brosnan, he does have Dante's peak. <laughs> <laughs> we forget. As well as Thomas Crown Affair remake, which may be better than the original with McQueen. So Yeah, and where does Brendan Fraser rank just for the mummy one alone? <laughs> At least tier three, just because of the mummy the first mummy and then nothing else nothing else like there's like two minutes and the mummy returns and nothing else we ignore it all and then nothing else and then we forget the rest of brendan fraser's career existed as does the rest of humanity which they have already 
<laughs> Any other uh, thoughts on the cool guys, man? No, man, I think that's going to do it for us. I think we've pretty well covered it. Yeah, Daniel Craig was in a mission that I was thinking. I'm glad that you touched on that. Like, you got to throw him in there, especially with Knives Out getting a sequel now. I mean, all the Academy Award love that that one got. That was a badass movie. True, and also Michael Douglas for Wall Street. Ooh, yeah, throw him on there. I love it. Wesley Snipes maybe could make the list. As long as he pays his taxes. No, 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 that's fine. I, that makes me cooler. <laughs> Damn the man. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us here tonight on Out of the Blue. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Andy underscore Bailey one at JStorm303. Follow Maze and Brew on Twitter at Maze and Brew. And like us on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Like, share, subscribe, leave a review for all your shows and content wherever you get your podcasts by searching Maze and Brew Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.